Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed, and on the final episode of 2021, we're going to be discussing the first half of PSG season, potential change at manager, Champions League, and Kylian Mbappe. To help me break it all down, I'm joined by French football expert and CBS Sports Galazzo correspondent, Jonathan Johnson. Let's go ahead and bring him in here. JJ, hope you are well. How was your holiday? Hey, great to be back on with you. No, it's very good, thank you. I enjoyed a, a little bit of time off. <clears throat> That's one of the, the main benefits, I would guess, of covering French football in that you don't have to work through the festive period like you would have to if uh, I'd stuck with the Premier League. Yeah, the Premier League are playing games almost every day, starting from Boxing Day. It seems like every day there's a game. So, yeah, you get a nice little break there. Any snow in Paris? How's the weather out there? Yeah, unfortunately, no snow. It's, uh, it's been a while since it's uh, snowed any time close to Christmas uh, here in Paris. But it's, uh, you know, it is, it is pretty chilly, or was just before Christmas. But at the moment, it's pretty, pretty gray and rainy. So uh, <laughs> nothing exciting to, to write home about. Well, there you go. Well, thanks for coming on the show. As always, we, you're one of my favorite guests. So if we could close out 2021, this is the best way to do it. Um, we've got a lot to cover, so let's just jump into it. I read your piece where you sort of summed up the year for PSG. And I'm just going to ask quite bluntly, what's wrong with PSG? Is it the manager, like so many supporters contend? Is it the players, as maybe the French media might speculate? We saw that piece, I think it was L'Equipe, right, where they had the different factions within the locker room. Uh, or is it a combination of injuries, a lot of new players, just trying to figure things out as they go? So, again, what is wrong with PSG in your point of view? I think there's so many different factors that contribute towards what we're seeing going on with PSG right now. Uh, you know, there is, to a large extent, um, you know, uh, guilt or culpability um, on the shoulders or at the feet of uh, Maurizio Pochettino. I don't think he's uh, stamped his identity um, on the team uh, as much as, as we would have expected. But I also think that, you know, there is uh, a large uh, amount of guilt uh, that needs to be uh, shouldered also by uh, the players because I, I just don't think that the players take it seriously enough uh, until sort of the bigger matches come along. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of bad behavior uh, that goes on behind the scenes, stuff that you hear about, stuff that you, you know, you might not hear about as much, uh, you know, and it also paints a picture really at the end of the day of a club that's not really run in the way that you would expect um, a modern football club to be run. And when I say that, uh, you know, it's not all about the football uh, as we've known is the case with PSG for quite some time now. Uh, you know, of course, when they put their minds to it uh, and want to be an absolutely top quality football team, they can be. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the the focus on, on football, uh, you know, has, has long since been secondary. You know, this is sort of the culmination, really, of a few years of work where PSG have sort of been turned more into 
uh, you know, sort of an entertainment uh, vehicle as opposed to an actual football club. So it's quite frustrating when you are, uh, you know, a massive football fan, uh, you know, or in my case, a football journalist. Uh, you know, when you spend a lot of your time writing, reading, or, you know, sort of finding out information uh, about stuff that's not really football related. And I think that's a large part of where this malaise with PSG stems from, the fact that it's not all about the football uh, and hasn't been for quite some time because, you know, all of these different things sort of feed off of that, uh, you know, there, there wouldn't be so much of, uh, you know, the, the stuff that they keep writing about, uh, you know, if PSG were set up as a stronger institution uh, than they are. You know, Leonardo, when he came back in 2019, spent a lot of time, uh, you know, speaking about the importance of being respected as an institution, which, you know, while it sounded great, uh, you know, has never really been built upon. And, you know, PSG, you know, are not respected uh, as an institution from within in the same way that a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, uh, you know, your, your, your veritable European giants are. So I think that's probably the, what I would say is the, the main contributing factor towards why PSG is suffering so much at the moment. Obviously, there are different, uh, you know, solutions, uh, you know, that the, the could be implemented. You know, I think there's a lot of players in that squad who should not be around, who contribute to a very poisonous atmosphere uh, within the squad. You know, players who know in no uncertain terms that, their playing career with PSG is essentially over, uh, you know, but they're there on these long contracts, uh, earning big money, uh, and and have no real interest or desire to, you know, to to, to look elsewhere for for employment, especially at this moment in time where it's very difficult to find anything even half as good, uh, you know, as what they have on paper uh, with PSG. So, you know, it's a very uh, it's a very unfortunate situation, especially for people like us, you know, passionate about PSG, you want to see them do as well as they can on the pitch and just seeing them not really tapping into this, uh, you know, this potential. But there, there is a feeling, uh, you know, that things need to really change uh, at the top or at least high up enough in the club, uh, you know, for PSG to function uh, a bit better as an institution, as I was saying earlier. Uh, and that's why you see rumours at the moment, you know, not just that Maurizio Pochettino might no longer be co uh, head coach, uh, you know, sort of beyond this summer, uh, you know, but the sporting director, Leonardo, also might be into sort of his final months uh, in the position as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about Leonardo. We're going to talk about Pochettino. But yeah, to your point, you didn't mention any names, but Kurzawa, he's probably one of the players that you're talking about earning a lot, but knows he's probably not going to play with two players at least in front of him. You have uh, Draxler is another one. Um, are there any other players? I know, I think I saw a report Diallo might be sold in January. I mean, do you think there just needs to be an exodus in January, the next two transfer windows to kind of just right this ship? Because you're right, there is a lot of dead weight contributing to a poisonous atmosphere. I do, but also at the same time, it's very, very difficult to find buyers for uh, PSG players at this moment in time. I mean, the Diallo example is an interesting one because if he does get bought this month, he's one of the players who, you know, he's not a nailed-on starter in the team, but I would argue he's actually one of the more useful uh, utility players uh, in the team. You know, he can play both central defence and uh, left-back. Uh, you know, he's done it quite admirably at times for PSG. You know, we saw him excel in the Champions League uh, away at Manchester United on the left. So, you know, he's not a complete flop in that position as somebody like a Kazawa is. But the fact that Kazawa, you know, has barely kicked a ball in anger since I think maybe a substitute appearance in the Trophée des Champions 
uh, you know, has been told months and months ago that he plays no real part in PSG's plans for the future, uh, yet is on a contract that was inexplicably renewed. Uh, you know, yeah, that that is extremely problematic. Julian Draxler also, you know, very similar. You know, and these are, these are guys who have talent. Uh, you know, and if a club takes a risk on them, uh, or they're willing to compromise a little bit and, and find, uh, you know, sort of some sort of middle ground with any potentially interested clubs, you know, they could actually resurrect their careers. You know, they're not complete, uh, you know, uh, you know, failures. Uh, you know, guys who are going to basically leave PSG and then finish their careers that, you know, they will resurface somewhere. It's just a question of whether they, um, you know, PSG can come to a, 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 an agreement with a club that sees them leave ahead of the end of their contracts or if they have to see those deals out. And there are other guys as well, you know, guys like Colin Dagba, uh, Tito Keha, obviously major differences between, you know, what the two of them are earning in terms of salary, uh, you know, but, they can be useful on their day. I mean, I know that Kerr has a lot of critics and understandably so when you see some of the performances that he's put in. But again, like Diallo, you know, is also quite versatile, can play on the right, can play in the middle. Uh, you know, and I think really, you know, a lot of these guys have had their confidence absolutely shot to bits, uh, you know, being played out of position, you know, being asked to do things that they're not comfortable with. All of this while no real identity, no real structure has been put into place by Mauricio Pochettino because it could be that somebody, I don't know, you know, there's been links between PSG and Zinedine Zidane. So Zidane came in tomorrow and was appointed new, uh, the new head coach. He might look uh, at the players available to him in the squad and actually think that he could do something with, say, Akazawa, for example, you know, pushing him a bit further forward, which I've always felt was actually his better uh, position and, you know, and he could contribute more. But, uh, you know, until there is that change made, you know, I think now, you know, the die is pretty much cast uh, under Pochettino. It's all going to be pretty unimaginative. Uh, and the guys who are on the outside looking in, that's not going to change. So I think, you know, if there are opportunities that surface like Milan for, for Diallo, then sure, PSG are going to, to cash in on those guys, whether I think that they're the ones who should be, not jettisoned, but you know, allowed to leave, uh, you know, is another is another question entirely. But in terms of what Diallo could bring in, in terms of his transfer value, uh, you know, getting his wages off the books as well, that would be a fairly decent financial boon for PSG. Uh, and you'd assume that uh, you know, sort of all the stuff that goes on away from the pitch, uh, you know, with the likes of Messi, Ramos coming in, uh, you know, the, the the commercial deals that have been signed since then, you know, that all of that will you know make PSG or put PSG in a much more convincing financial position when, you know, financial fair play does, uh, you know, sort of re-emerge with a, with a new mask, uh, you know, when UEFA decide to uh, unveil it. Yeah, FFP. Yeah, PSG never really seemed to be worried about that too much before. But yeah, that's something they do have to be concerned about. I agree with you, Diallo, great utility player. He'd probably be one of the last players, I think, of the group that PSG might be considering. I don't know if I'd want him to go. We did see Rafinha go to Real Sociedad, I believe it was, on loan here recently. So it looks like you know Leonardo is you know making some phone calls and trying to get players moved on because a lot of fans, myself included, a midfielder. I think in January you have to look for a midfielder who could come in and play starter minutes, play in the Champions League, someone with experience, because as we all know, Marco Verratti is not the most reliable player. As talented as he is, he's not the most reliable. Um, I want to get let's, back. To, oh, go ahead. Go. Let's, let's, let, let's take that for a moment and, and look at it. So I, I agree with you. I think that a midfield does need 
uh, restructuring, but that is a job that needs doing sort of over a summer transfer window, really. It's very difficult to find good value in the January window. That's when you end up with guys like Leandro Paredes, who I know he has uh, you know, some, guy, some fans uh, in, in, in his corner who sort of back him. Uh, I don't think he should be the first midfielder allowed to leave, but I think if you were to reset PSG's midfield as a whole, you would pretty much only really keep Verratti uh, and perhaps Gay, because having a, a player of Gay's skill set is extremely valuable in the modern game still. Uh, I don't think that Paredes offers enough, uh, you know, say if we're talking about a three-man PSG midfield alongside Verratti and Gay, I, I don't think Paredes... Uh, you know, for me, one of his biggest assets is set-piece taking, and he gets nowhere near taking set-pieces, and he's not going to uh, while Messi's in the team. Uh, and there are other guys behind Messi, but ahead of him as well when it comes to taking free kicks and penalties. So, you know, I think that Paredes' value is extremely limited. And if you're talking about another potential guy, you know, sort of in that bracket uh, coming in in January, I think PSG are better off just soldiering on with what they have, trying to find solutions from within. Going with some of the young kids, you know, who've been crying out for an opportunity and have only just started getting a look in the domestic cups, either that or you look at somebody you're potentially trying to bring in uh, ahead of uh, this coming summer. And if it's somebody whose contract is running out, we know that Franck Kessier has been uh, linked with PSG. You know, if it's somebody like that, then you go to the club, you know, offer to perhaps pay an amount of money towards that transfer. I mean, it just so happens that Milan are also the club interested in Diallo, you know, so is there some sort of deal to be done there, uh, you know, which could see Diallo going one way and Kessier going the other? You know, what? it's really up to Leonardo to, you know, to actually prove himself uh, you know, uh, a capable sporting director in that situation uh, and make transfer deals that, that actually make some sort of sense. Because if you're going to try and build a midfield, uh, you know, with Kissy in the, in, in the middle in the future, then, you know, I don't really think that you should be sort of compromising that just to have a player for the second half of the season, uh, you know, uh, probably who only arrives at the very end of January and get minimal time, uh, you know, to bed into the squad. I just, I, I think it's counterproductive. Uh, you know, and I think that there is a lot of players that, that PSG need to show the door when we're talking about the midfield sort of at the end of the season. You know, Herrera, I think, has been a good servant. Uh, you know, he's he's done the job when, when asked, but never excels. Uh, you know, has got himself into a pretty sticky situation off the pitch recently as well. Uh, and then, you know, you're looking at somebody like Paredes who earns you know, very good money for somebody who's not a nailed on starter, costs a lot of money in terms of the, the transfer, and has basically been surplus to demand since Pochettino arrived because he was somebody who was brought in to appease Tuchel but wasn't quite the midfielder that Tuchel was looking for. So I think, you know, PSG have been paying for years for their inability to reset the midfield after Motta Matuidi Verratti, uh, and they still are now. I mentioned it in the, in the CBS article, you know, you know, when you've got somebody who is just permanently fragile uh, in the way that Verratti is, and, and you know, it's, it's also never, uh, you know, more than a verbal insult away from a, a suspension, it's, you know, you're running a, a, a massive risk, uh, you know, every time that you make him a, a key centrepiece of your team. So I think that, you know, there needs to be a really smart approach to the January transfer window. And if it's just to bring in some players, you know, to perhaps tie Pochettino over before the inevitable, inevitable departure, in the summer, if not before, I think it would be a waste of time and money. Yeah, sticky situation is a good way to, to describe the Ender Herrera uh, incident. Um, 
I guess we could stay on this just real quick. We could just talk briefly. Paul Pogba, is, is any anything there in January? I mean, Manchester United might be willing to get something for him. If PSG want to pay, he would be he would pretty much answer all of the midfield issues that PSG have. I mean, do you see that as a deal? It's a it's kind of a blockbuster deal, but it, it feels like it's something that could happen. It makes sense, even if PSG may have to pay for him, because Mbappe is likely going to go. This is really it. If you think about it, if he's gone, if you want to win the Champions League, now is the time. Bring in a Pogba and give it a go, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I can't tell you that anything is there uh, between PSG and Pogba at this moment in time. We all know that PSG, uh, you know, have Mino Raiola's number on speed dial, so perhaps they they try to look into it. But you know, if if Pogba is a player that they're trying to get on a free transfer, which according to rumours uh, reports, you know, is uh, definitely a possibility that PSG are looking into, then you know perhaps it's something worth them exploring uh, in January. You know, if Manchester United know that Pogba won't extend his contract. Uh, you know, and, and Pogba is willing to make the switch mid-season, then you know I don't see why uh, you know PSG wouldn't at least look into it. It makes more sense than potentially dropping I don't know a couple of tens of millions uh, you know on a player who might not fit in uh, when the next coach comes in. And you know, let's not kid ourselves. We know that Pochettino is not going to be PSG boss uh, next season. He may well see out this campaign, but he won't be on the PSG hot seat uh, next season. Let's just get right into that. So a lot of people, you know, blame Pochettino for what's going on at PSG, as I mentioned. And Zidane is mentioned as being really the best replacement. You look, he's got the resume as a player and as a manager. He would command that dressing room. Everyone looks up to him. Mbappe just mentioned he's one of his idols. He he makes so much sense on so many different levels, except for one. Anytime that I bring it up or others, they say, well, you know, Zidane was born in Marseille. And then you have that rivalry between Paris and Marseille, and it extends beyond football. And I'm hoping that you can explain to me as an American and others who are not, you know, native to France or just don't understand the politics of all of that. So briefly, could you explain why there may be some hesitation on Zidane's end? And if he did take the job, what would be the fallout both in Marseille and Paris? Sure. I mean, obviously, we know that the Paris-Marseille rivalry exists, uh, and you can't overlook that when it, when it comes to anything football-related. But also, at the same time, uh, I'm, I can't quite believe I'm saying this because I've never really looked to Samir Nasri as a, a fountain of wisdom. But Nasri publicly uh, recently was, was talking about the, the possibility. Now, Nasri is somebody who came through the Marseille Youth Academy, arguably the last real top, top quality player to emerge from there. And... He was asked about the possibility of seeing Zidane come back uh, and manage PSG in France. And even he was saying, uh, you know, basically there's a difference between if you played for both PSG and Marseille as a player and if you coached PSG uh, and Marseille. You know, and the fact that Zidane never played for Marseille, never played for PSG, everybody knows his links with Marseille. But, you know, I think that the... Uh, you know, the, the, the passion, the emotion, certainly from a fan point of view, is dulled down a little bit by the fact that, you know, he was never sort of actually thrust into that rivalry as a player. So I think that works in PSG's favour. Uh, and also, I think it's something that also Marseille won't fixate upon too much because, you know, with all due respect to, to OM, uh, you know, who are a massive club within their own right, they're not going to be in a position anytime soon where Zidane will consider 
becoming the, the manager unless he has some massive fall from grace. Uh, you know, I can't see uh, a multiple champion, multiple time Champions League winner uh, joining OM until they are a much uh, a, a much better prospect in terms of the project uh, and regularly competing in the Champions League. You know, Zidane looks for a project where he can potentially succeed, where he's already succeeded with Real, and you know that makes PSG the only viable candidate uh, in France anytime soon. Basically, everyone knows that there's two potential jobs that could lure uh, Zidane back into management. One is the French national team, which you would have to accept uh, from a PSG point of view is his priority. Um, but it might not be available uh, next year. It depends on what happens at the World Cup. Uh, you know, it might not be available before the next Euros. So that leaves him looking at the club game. Now, the only club in France that could potentially give him the platform to succeed is PSG. And I think that although, you know, when first looking at the project uh, at the very beginning of the, the Qatari era, Zidane would have turned his nose up. In fact, he even managed to convince Rafael Varane to sign for Real over PSG. You know, I think that he will realise the progress that's been made uh, by PSG over the years uh, and how the fact that the rivalry, uh, you know, despite sort of flaring up a little bit in the last couple of years, particularly thanks to Neymar. Uh, you know, that rivalry is not quite as fierce uh, as it once was because it's not a level playing field between the, the, the two clubs. You know, PSG are competing for all titles, whereas Marseille, uh, you know, are only just starting to have, get people in France taking them seriously again after years of underachievement. So I think that, uh, you know, Zidane, and this whole rivalry between Marseille and PSG is something that only really old school fans uh, and pundits, uh, you know, will even bring up uh, and, and factor into the discussion. And I don't think that really, you know, if it comes to the crunch and the decision has to be made, I don't think it'll factor in uh, too majorly. Had Zidane been a player for either club, then, you know, it might have been a completely different story. Well, that's really good to hear because I, I think if Zidane is able to come in, we sign Pogba. I think the Champions League is pretty much uh, one, if you ask me. I, I think those are the two missing pieces, so let's just get it done, right? Um, let's. I want to ask you about the Kylian Mbappe interview because he, he talked to CNN after winning the, the best men's player of 2021 at the Globe Soccer Awards in Dubai. He said a lot of stuff. He kind of talked around things, especially in terms of, you know, Real Madrid and his future and all that. Although he did say he will never in his lifetime play for Spurs, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, but what was your biggest takeaway? Were you able to read between the lines of what he was saying? Anything of interest that you took away? I mean, you know, when, whenever Mbappe speaks, especially not in his, uh, in his native French, uh, you know, it's always impressive. It's, it's nice to listen to the, the progress that he's made in English, uh, you know, Obviously a very, very smart kid, still keeping his cards close to his chest. I and mean, I guess the biggest takeaway is that at least he's talking a good game in terms of keeping his options open. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't, th it's kind of thinly veiled really when he talks about his ambitions for this season, you know, what he really wants to do. He basically wants to leave, uh, you know, PSG in absolutely no doubt that he's achieved everything he can with the club. And, and by doing that, uh, you know, that would mean that PSG have won Liga and the Champions League and the Coupe de France, you know, perhaps not in the same season, but for him to have won each of those titles at least once with PSG, uh, you know, I don't see at this moment in time, you know, we're about to, to hit January. I don't see him announcing a move to Real Madrid before those two legs have been played. Uh, 
but also at the same time, I don't see him coming to the negotiating table to, to renew with PSG anytime soon. Uh, you know, and it goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning uh, of this chat. You know, PSG at the end of the day are not on the same level uh, in terms of being an institution uh, as a Real Madrid, as a Bayern Munich. You know, PSG should aspire to being that. And if they were that, then, you know, perhaps Mbappe might, you know, take the idea of extending his future with PSG more seriously. But at the moment, to me, uh, you know, he's just speaking very intelligently, very politely, uh, and is just basically biding his time uh, until he makes the announcement. Uh, you know, I, I struggle to see at this moment in time, uh, you know, what PSG could do uh, in order to motivate him to, to extend. I mean, unless something somehow knocks Real Madrid out of the running for his signature uh, sometime before the summer, uh, you know, I think it's inevitable that, that he will move on. But it's very clear from these interviews that, you know, whatever happens in the future, you know, he will try to do it in uh, the the most professional of manners. So I don't think that, you know, anyone can sort of accuse Mbappe of, of downing tools before the, the, the Real Madrid match. You know, I'm sure he'll give it everything and, and try to lead PSG past them. Because at the end of the day, what better way to convince uh, the Real Madrid hierarchy that you're signing the right guy than, than knocking them out of the Champions League. Also, if you knock them out, maybe does Mbappe consider like, hey, maybe it's worth signing another year or two? In that interview, he talked about how you know Paris is his city. He loves playing in front of his friends and family. He talked about Messi being one of his idols. If Zidane comes in, now you you have two of your idols at your club, your hometown club. Um, and and I always contend. You mentioned that Pichi isn't that institution yet. But isn't it just infinitely better for his um, resume at the end of his career to say, I want a Champions League with PSG where it's never been done, or going to Real Madrid where the foundation has already been built. You, the whole house has been built, right? And they've won countless Champions League. If he wins it there, it's just another title. At PSG, I feel like it, it means infinitely more than anywhere else. And, and does that mean something to him? Would it be worth a, an extra year or two to play with Messi? We know Messi's going to be there at least another year. Anything like that you think is going through his mind? Or do you think he's already he's made his mind up? Sure. I mean, I, you know, I think it has factored into, into his consideration, but also at the same time, uh, you know that's why he's keeping his, uh, you know, his his options open until the very last moment possible. You know, until he's actually signed something with Real Madrid uh, and they can make an official announcement. Um, you know, I, I I think that there is always that possibility. Uh, you know, that you could make a strong argument for him to stay in Paris just a little bit longer. Uh, but I think that it would take so many changes. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, I doubt whether PSG are capable of making those necessary changes. I mean, you know, if tomorrow they, they get rid of Mauricio Pochettino and Leonardo, uh, they make a statement by appointing Zidane. Uh, you know, they bring in someone like Arsene Wenger. They've got Paul Pogba uh, lined up as they start to, to rebuild the midfield. Then, you know, perhaps Mbappe might think, uh, you know, if PSG sweep Real Madrid aside in the Champions League, you know, well, you know, I really want to stick around and, uh, you know, see what we can make uh, in this project in the next couple of years. I always thought that a logical sort of break point for Mbappe with France uh, as a country would come uh, when the Olympics come to Paris. So that would give him another couple of years before he could sign off uh, with the French national team, uh, you know, hopefully winning uh, Olympic gold uh, in his home city uh, and then going on, uh, you know, sort of moving on to, you know, the next stage of the adventure, so to speak. But, 
you know, that is also a long time to ask him to wait, uh, you know, if he doesn't see PSG as being a serious project. So really, at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is now a challenge for PSG's decision makers to either get serious and, you know, put one final convincing proposition in front of Mbappe, uh, you know, or, you know, risk the inevitable happening, which at this moment in time is that he will leave, uh, you know, at the end of the season. Yeah, and everyone always wants to point to, oh, he's got to do it in a, a more difficult league. Well, Messi hasn't exactly lit things up in France since arriving, and you look at the coefficients and all of the math equations. I mean, France is, has a chance to climb, right? There was some stat I saw where they were like the third or fourth best league in recent, in the last so many months or something like that with Lille topping the group and, of course, PSG advancing in the Champions League. So, you know, I think France is, is getting better and i think more people are starting to pay attention a lot of that is because of messi but just the quality of the league as a whole people see psg some of it's their own fault but they they are tested pretty much every match it doesn't matter what team they're playing it, it it's a battle so um something for mbappe to consider there um jonathan last question for you we've mentioned the champions league we mentioned real madrid what does PSG have to do in that game to win the tie in advance? Is it going to a back three? Is it getting a new manager in? Is it health? Is it everything? In your eyes, how does PSG get past Real Madrid? Uh, I mean, I think at this moment in time, it's difficult to see PSG making a change in manager. So I think we can probably, uh, you know, sort of uh, forget about that. Uh, you know, it's very, very likely that Pochettino will be the man in charge unless something happens, uh, you know, that, that brings PSG to the table. And this time they actually, uh, you know, consider making the change. But, uh, you know, I think fitness, uh, health, you know, is always extremely important. You know, we know how vital Marco Verratti is. You know, getting Neymar back on the pitch as well will also be extremely important. But also, you know, I don't think PSG can afford to be carrying any more passengers. And if somebody like Messi, you know, as, as brilliant as he is, uh, you know, continues to underperform, then, you know, whether it's in the Ligue 1, whether it's even in the Champions League, you know, if Pochettino feels like he has some difficult decisions to make in order to get the best performance out of the team over those two legs, then he has to do it. Uh, you know, and I think Messi is the the most vulnerable uh, of those star names in attack at this moment in time when it comes to potential rotation. And yeah, sure, that's going to, you know, put some noses out of place, upset a few people. But, you know, if that's what Pochettino has to do to win, then, you know, that I, I think that's what he has to do. Whether, uh, you know, he'll be able to, to make those sorts of changes. You know, we'll just have to wait and see what shape PSG are in coming into those two games. But I think it's absolutely vital, regardless of the formation that PSG play, that they raise their game and they raise their game more than they did against Manchester City, which to date is the, the best performance uh, so far this season. And they absolutely have to win uh, that home leg, ideally without conceding uh, a goal. But, uh, you know, obviously with the, the away goals rule now sort of out of the window, it doesn't make as much uh, of a difference as, a, as it did before. But I think that PSG really have to emulate that performance we saw from them against Real Madrid a few years ago in the group stages and just blow Real away. Uh, I don't think that that's an impossibility because as much as Real are, you know, having a good time of it in La Liga at this moment in time, um, I'm sort of of the opinion that Carlo Ancelotti has become a bit of yesterday's man uh, tactically. We all know, uh, you know, he has massive pedigree in the Champions League with all due respect to him, obviously a former PSG coach as well. But I think that Real Madrid are, are beatable. Obviously, they have some fantastic players in, in good form. Uh, you know, Vinicius Jr. Uh, has been unplayable at times. Courtois has been excellent in goal. Uh, Militao as well, doing very well in defence. But, 
you know, I think that PSG definitely have the firepower to beat Real over two legs. It's how they set themselves up for the second leg, uh, you know, that will count massively. So fingers crossed PSG can, you know, put in a strong performance in the first leg and, and sort of have most of the hard work done. But then again, we know that that's not always the best situation for PSG to find themselves in these Champions League games. And perhaps it would better serve them to be quite tight run over both legs, uh, you know, for them to perhaps go and get the, the best result. I think the one advantage, if you can call it that, um, of keeping Pochettino in charge, uh, you know, when you've got a, a Champions League tie that's poised the way that this one against Real Madrid is, uh, is that PSG under Pochettino tend to perform better away from home, especially when they sort of go on that counter-attack uh, you know, that we saw worked perfection against Barcelona and Bayern last season, uh, you know, and I think it would actually work out, uh, you know, well for them if it's quite a tight first leg uh, and then they the pressure is on them to, uh, you know, to really turn the screw away from home. Man, that was a hot take. So benching Messi might be the way to get it done, huh? <laughs> it might be, but also at the same time, Messi might come back. Uh, you know, might be in much better form at the beginning of the year. It's really up yeah. to him to, you know, to impress. You know, we yeah. know that Messi has been much better in the Champions League than he has been in the young, but there's also another couple of things to, to consider as well. You've got the Africa Cup of Nations and the players that go away for that. You've got the, the rearranged South American World Cup qualifiers, which all of the players will, will go away for at the end of January, beginning of February, assuming that it still happens because of COVID. Uh, you know, so, you know, th there's so many different things that could happen. Uh, in the build-up to that, uh, you know, it's just a question of how Pochettino and the players available, uh, you know, navigate those challenges as and when they show themselves. But, you know, has, has Messi done enough for me to, to consider him a lock heading into that Real Madrid matchup? No, he hasn't. Not at this moment in time. Yeah, and to your point where they just seem to be able to turn it on, on when the bright lights are on, uh, Messi, if he has performed well this season for PSG, it has been in the Champions League. We all remember that one goal they scored. Um I think, well, I think it was against City. It was uh, pretty phenomenal. So it, he's uh, he has looked good in the Champions League. And if you look back, PSG have you know beaten Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Um, they beat City this year. I mean, they they've beaten some big teams, and so maybe they can do it again. We'll see it against Real Madrid. I like their chances. I think if healthy, they'll be favored. But just like with the away goal rule going away, I think COVID is going to play a huge role in in this as cases here. Um, I'm in the United States and around the world. I mean, they're just spiking. Who's going to be available? Um, I think that's going to play a big role. So it's going to be a difficult task, but I like PSG's chances if they're all healthy. I mean, would you favor them, say both sides are full strength? Would you favor PSG over Real Madrid at this point? I do, but I always back PSG in these big <laughs> matches, and that's because I know at the end of the day that they're capable <clears throat> of, of putting yeah. in these big performances, especially with the maturity and the experience that they've garnered over the last couple of years. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they will do so. Uh, you know, so I think that you know they really have to work hard from the beginning of this year, which you know, to be fair, they 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 have done in the past. You know, we've seen Neymar be able to marshal the squad to be able to to create that sort of environment that's needed. But there's just so many different subplots, uh, you know, uh, things that, you know, play with some of the players' mentality uh, at this moment in time that it's difficult not to be, you know, at least concerned going into that matchup with Real. Well, the good news is it gives you plenty to write about. Um, we've come to the end of the show. Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on. Let everyone know how they can interact with you on Twitter. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you'll find all of my work uh, on Twitter. I think that uh, my Twitter handle should be showing up on the screen, but it's at J-O-N underscore Legosip in any case. Uh, so yeah, feel free to, to reach out if you have any questions or comments, uh, you know, not necessarily praise for anything I've written. Yeah, we don't have those fancy CBS graphics here, so I don't know if we have your name up there, but I will definitely tag you and make sure. And if you're if you're a PSG fan, you should be following Jonathan anyway, because it's like you're the best out there. So hopefully they're following you already. Um, and as always, I'm at PSG Talk. Thanks for listening, um, everyone out there, and I hope you all have a happy new year. And bye for now.